All right, so this episode of Make My Mayday is one of those that, um, well, it's a episode that I had a lot of issues with on the recording side. I was uh, having horrific internet issues, and nothing seemed to work right on terms of what was going on with the internet. So Kelly and Neil do a lot of the heavy lifting and jumping in and helping out. So hopefully, enjoy this episode of Make My Mayday. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Make My Mayday, the show all about Spider-Girl and her world. It is truly the end of an era for spider This is episode 50. And I'm Zach Joyner, the co-host of the program, webmaster of spidey-dude.com and executive producer of the Spidey Dude Radio Network. And I'm going to forgo telling you about the other great shows on the network of this episode, simply because we've got a lot to talk about here. But just go to spidey-dude.com and check it out. Link down in the description below. I do want to make a minor programming note here at the top of this episode. Voices from the Erie will have a free video episode on YouTube debuting later. Probably in some places it's going to be debuting on Thursday. Some places it's going to be debuting on Friday. So just check that out. Uh, It's a there's a reason we're doing it this way for that episode. It's a special one with the guys at Dynamite Entertainment talking about the new Gargoyles comic. And so there's some cool exclusive stuff that they'll be uh, bringing to you. Here on the channel as well. So, as always, we want to mention our patrons before we get started at patreon.com slash network. Allison, Cindy, Ed, Georgia, Greg, Janelle, Jessica, Catherine, Kale, Kegar, Laura Howard, Master Dramond, Phoenician, Scott, McCreer, Vanessa, and Vicky. Thank you guys for your support, as well as our Spidey Dude VIPs, Scott, Sebastian, Vinkman and Winnipeg Webhead. Thank you guys for your support. Also for this audio edition, since I'm recording this in post, we have Greg, Lisa, and UltimateFangirl.exe. Now, normally they are just listed on the screen, but they are listed here uh, on the audio edition. So thank you guys for your support of Patreon.com slash Network. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, our friendly neighborhood tier, uh, they have our eternal thanks. So thank you guys for your support over on patreon.com slash spider network. And as always, we always make a minor disclaimer before we get started that this show is live streamed on the YouTube channel. So if you're an audio listener, thank you. Give us that five star review and let us know how we're doing by leaving that review uh, for us. We'll read it on a future episode. Also, if you're listening there, there's these, since these are streamed, if you haven't already, be sure to hit that like button, smash that bell icon. And let us know how we're doing in the comments below, either live or after the fact. And of course, we can't have an episode of the host of the program, Kelly McDaniel. Hello, Kelly. Hello. You are going in and out very badly. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you might have to redo okay. that. Well, we'll we'll make it work. Unfortunately. But hello. Mm, Hi. That's fine. Yeah, so-, um, so if you're watching us on YouTube, I, I've got my video not working right now because maybe it's going to help uh, having some internet problems right now naturally um so uh minor yeah, bit of news not- kelly do you want to mention the uh it's My- not really news it's just okay you know well yeah yeah to so to people- start off um which is so funny because like you have your notes in front of mine uh but basically um it's not really like super news but just a little bit of housekeeping after this uh, episode, we are going to take a bit of a break and we're not going to come back until July. Um, and that's mostly because that just seems to work out pretty perfectly for what's next, which is uh, the Captain America Corps, uh, where Amer- uh, you know, American Dream shows up. 
because you know obviously um a multiverse event is only spider-verse related and definitely um the captain america Corps did not come before that in the comics according to slot <laughs> but they did so um we're gonna go over captain yeah. america Corps and uh probably a little quick quick uh episode since we'll focus mainly on Shannon and her involvement, but then we'll start swinging and go straight into Spider-Verse. So you have all the month of June to just watch the movie. Just watch Spider-Verse with little baby May all month long, and then you can start in July. Well, you know, where we uh, re-traumatize you of the events that happened in the comics. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you got this poster that came out. I think was it today? Um, technically, technically, it dropped. And I know last people night. are going to ask us about it, so there. Yeah, technically, it dropped last night. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, so it was officially posted today. Uh, the artist, I think, had posted it last night, saying, "Hey, I got the go ahead. They're going to use it." Um, but it's really it's- cute. There's a little baby May, who is not yeah, it's, our. It's- not our may it's not world 982 i'm getting a little annoyed and tired of hearing all about that where people are like oh well he's gonna lose his leg he's they're they're not gonna have peter b parker lose his leg come on y'all it's it's a different world different universe and that's okay why are you putting all of this like great power and responsibility on a baby <laughs> please, please please answer that like that's a lot of pressure Um, to put on a small small little baby fictional or not yeah so to kind of explain too i mean we're we've we've done a lot of episodes over the last over this calendar year um we are at this is our 10th stream that we've done Mm -hmm. for since since the beginning of the year which means we've been doing literally two episodes episodes a month to kind of contrast that with last year we only did about once a month um we had a few episodes a few months where we did two but for the most part we were averaging about once a month so you know this is a very well-deserved break especially with um everything going on i'm I'm gonna be moving in the in at the end of july um and then june we got the 25th anniversary of the website as well so lots of stuff going on um so i'm going to attempt with that we'll move to the history portion of the episode okay yeah um so if i start cutting out you know i'll i'll, I'll check the private chat and make sure that uh you know you stop me where i where i'm at so um so from almost from the beginning some of the, some of this is going to be a little rudimentary uh i try to be as thorough as possible with this just because this is a big episode for us um and i did not expect us the amount of feedback that we got today <laughs> which is great um so almost from the beginning of the show doing due to the internet archives sometimes losing valuable intel on the inner happenings and old methods of communication giving away into new ones examples like message boards versus discord servers which join ours link down in the description below you know back in the day it was motorola razor was the top phone and then it became blackberry and then now we have iphones and androids uh, one of the things we strive to do is give you an oral history of what was going on because there are new fans every day finding the character and we want the new fans to know the history from the fans who lived it because time is a thief. With that being said, strap in as this is a lot of history we're going to be covering here. 
Last episode, we discussed the final fate of the Spectacular Spider-Girl series, and I stated that we were caught off guard by the whole four-issue miniseries. The final issue of SSG was on digital, was released on March 17th, 2010, and in Web of Spider-Man on April 14th of the same year. The Spectacular Spider-Girl mini number one, it came out in May, and the solicits came out around March 23rd. So I'm trying to clarify some of the timeline a little bit, so bear with me. While doing my research for this episode, I found the actual announcement concerning the Spec Spider-Girl series, and I thought I'd read it aloud here. I'm going to paraphrase a couple parts because this is directly from Tom. This is for the fans um, from the message board. Spectacular Spider-Girl Mini was kind of put everybody in a somber mood as a result, and it kind of foretold the end that was actually here. So this was posted on April 24th of 2010. It says, hey, guys, here's the current deal with Spider-Girl. Spectacular Spider-Girl is going to be a four-issue miniseries. And then he breaks down how each issue is going to be. While there is talk about an additional Spider-Girl one-shot, but I don't have really have any details on that. While Marvel Digital will print all the above material, they have decided to stop buying any new Spider-Girl stories. I believe that Marvel has decided to print this last Spider-Girl limited series to see if our girl still has enough buyers to support a regular title, or if it's finally time to stop producing her. Her fate will be decided by how many copies her limited series sells, as it should be. Unfortunately, the odds are stacked against her. Comic book stores rarely support limited series these days unless they are part of some big crossover event and usually buy just enough copies to fulfill their pull lists. Here's what you can do to help even the odds. If you plan to buy Spectacular, Spider-Girl, please go to your local comic book store and reserve it now. If you don't reserve your copies, the odds are you won't get one, just like what happened with Kid Colt, Black Knight, and for a few of you, Spider-Man The Clone Saga. You can try to convince your local comic book store to buy a few extra copies and put them out on the rack so that people aren't haven't received a copy will buy have a chance to buy a copy. And please, tell your friends about Spectacular Spider-Girl. A lot of people don't even know the book is coming out. We have had a wild and long run, gang. If we're meant to continue, so be it. If not, thanks for being there. Tom D. The end hey, comics are Zach, meant to be endings that are... Zach, pause. Yeah. You might want to yeah, go yeah, yeah. back because about halfway through, uh, basically, oh, okay, no. well, basically the rundown, you guys, is uh, the letter, the message that Zach was reading from Tom DeFalco was explaining that the one shot was greenlit. It was a the end one shot. Um, as Zach will come back and explain what that is, hopefully. Hopefully his sound yeah. will come back. <laughs> um, but essentially it was asking everybody to go out and buy it um, to kind of give off a send-off, so to speak, and maybe hopefully open the door for discussion for something else. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. There we go. So at the time, the hope was, you know, maybe this is a last ditch effort. But as I'll talk about here in a minute, the yeah. So the the writing was already there. This this was the this essentially is the procession. This is the funeral. (laughs) So um, I I do want to kind of talk about what the end comics are, because some people might not understand. Uh, They were meant to be endings, quote unquote, that were written as a bit of a what if the series subject had its final issue. 
The concept had started with uh, one shot by Peter David concerning the Hulk in 2002. There were other series that followed suit. Marvel Universe, The End in 2003, which ran six issues. A trilogy of six-issue series released over a three-year period about the end of the X-Men from 04 to 06. Wolverine got six issues in 04. Frank Castle got a max imprint one-shot the same year. Fantastic Four got their six-issue series in 07, and Iron Man got his one-shot in 2009 to coincide with uh, the Iron Man hype. Uh, these were always meant as alternate reality stories, stories that were in the spirit of what if and never meant to be the final nail in a coffin of a book. However, Spider-Girl was different. Interestingly, she would be the last of the end books published until the series was revived in 2020 with Deadpool, Cap and America, Captain America, Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, and two books in the Spidey office, Venom and Miles Morales. Each of those were a single issue each, just like Spider-Girl. As we discussed over the past five episodes or so of the show, after the Amazing Spider-Girl book was canceled with issue 30, she was revived once again in digital format. As Marvel was launching their subscription service, Marvel Comics Online Unlimited, later shortened to Marvel Unlimited. But for those who are the loyal customers and maybe didn't want to pick up a physical copy, the online stories would be reprinted in the anthology books. Amazing Spider-Man Family and Web Spider-Man Volume 2. The thought was to take an existing fan base who will pick up anything Spider-Girl, add them to a fan base that was picking up the anthology series and so they could support each other. This was to, in a way to help stabilize the sales of the product that had sort of leveled off in terms of orders for, for products by retailers for Amazing Spider-Man. Amazing Spider-Man sales had slightly declined due to the commitment of having to purchase two additional books a month. But by replacing the other two satellite titles, this increased these, the sales of what those books would have sold for. So there was less Amazing Spider-Man, but more in terms of the Spider-Man line. There was also a bias for a segment of fandom that disliked the direction of the books, thanks to One More Day, and a contraction overall with the comics market, thanks to the Great Recession of 2008. All this being said, there was also an element that we've not discussed as much as we've alluded to, but we feel this would be the best place to discuss it. In June of 2004, Marvel launched an imprint with a familiar name to Spider-Man fans, Amazing Fantasy. Fiona Avery was a protege of then-Amazing Spider-Man writer J. Michael Straginski and had written a couple of issues of Amazing as a bit of a tryout. Paired with Mark Brooks, the two would have a major high-profile launch of their shiny new book, the type of high-profile major media-backed launch and marketing push that we as Spider-Girl fans had been longing for and were hoping that our girl would achieve. The problem is that there was this new character. It was how she was marketed. In the marketing materials, she was specifically called a new Spider-Girl. This, of course, led to fans feeling a bit betrayed. It was mixed messaging, as Marvel had announced that the first Spider-Girl Digest in February the same year. The letter-writing campaign that saved Spider-Girl, the Save Spider-Girl campaign, had literally saved the book after issue 60, was also one of the things that helped get the digests. Once again, it felt that the powers that be underestimated the group of fans and felt that Spider-Girl was going to end six months later. Amazing Fantasy did start off well. It opened as the 20th ranked book, according to, the, to Diamond Distributors, with orders around the $60,000 60, range, as did most books that start off do. And it did as most books that start off do. Despite the book being delayed a month and double shipping in the month of August, it still cut its orders in half, 33 to 35,000. Spider-Girl, on the other hand, held, kept steady between 17,000 and 23,000 books orders without the sizable losses that would continue for Anya. 
Zach, it's Triskel. Hi. Um, Am I cutting out again? Yeah, you're very badly. Hi, Triskel. I'm very badly. I'm I'm conspiring to mute you so Kelly can finish the 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 dialogue. God. Okay. Let me um. Let me try something out. Good lord, this sucks. Um. I'm gonna I'm gonna mute and remove you, and Kelly can take over from here. I mean. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. I guess. You were at the solicitations. All right. So I'm taking over and I'm going to try and read Zach's script. So if I make funny faces, um, it's it's Zach's fault. All right. If so you sound um, like a Texan, if you sound like a Texan, that's why. No. All right. So <laughs> he's written like, so basically uh, he was talking about the Marvel solicitations and we knew that the end was an issue coming out back in May of 2010. But there was no, basically none of the fans really knew the what was coming down the pike. Um, you know, we were just told that the end was here. So a final last ditch letter writing campaign was launched upon the revelation that Spectacular Spider-Girl was a mini series and not an ongoing, but everything seemed pretty hopeless and the writing was on the wall. Uh, June and July passed with no news regarding Spider-Girl while other new books were being solicited for September and October. So things things felt pretty bleak. And then um, almost a watershed event occurred. Amazing Spider-Man had been, <clears throat> excuse me guys, uh, Amazing Spider-Man had been chugging along in the brand new day era for almost three years at this point and was quickly getting to almost 100 issues since the start of the initiative. But that was about to change, as on July 25th, San Diego Comic-Con had their Spider-Man panel. A friend of the show, Josh, uh, Josh, was reporting for the crawl space while at the con and provided the updates. The announcement came in fast and furious. Brand New Day was ending. Dan Slott was the sole writer of Amazing, now twice a month. A Carnage miniseries coming out, was coming out, and a new Venom title was teased. But the biggest bomb was for Spider-Girl fans. There was a new Spider-Girl ongoing, but it didn't star Mayday Parker. Um, it was Anya, um, or, um, you know, Aranya. So it was Anya Corazon. Uh, for fans such as us, this was a gut punch. The Spider-Girl fandom that was online had long felt that Anya was there to replace Mayday, and this felt like that was finally coming to pass, because maybe Marvel's not as slick as they think they are. Um, anyway, in the story, the seeds would be sown for this change in the Grim Hunt storyline. You've, um, you've heard Zach allude to it four or five episodes, and this is why. During the story, which saw various spiders be hunted down by the up-until-brand-new-day previously unseen wife and preteen daughter of Craven uh, with illegitimate sons, Alyosha, uh, Grim Hunter, uh, was, it says, revived via Juju uh, for killing Maddie Franklin, uh, was half-man, half-lion, and, of course, all of it was a story to bring back the original Craven himself. Maddie Franklin... Cassandra Webb and Kane were were killed off. Of course, Kane, I I believe, didn't Grim Hunt Neil? That's where he became the other after, right? Uh, he became the other in Scarlet Spider number nine, I believe. But um, he was turned was into tarantula at the end of there Grim we Hunt. go. Okay, there we go. 
Okay, okay. All I know is spiders, man. I'm covering them. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, they were killed off, and then Julia Carpenter, who had never really been associated with Spider-Man, although she was a Spider-Woman, um, became the new Madam Web, and Anya was given Julia's costume and given the name by Peter of Spider-Girl. And all things that actually did make Anya... Uh, unique were removed in favor of corporate synergy aka they whitewashed her very heavily um yes. all of all of this was published the exact same month that that spectacular spider girl was getting to its finish line um as zach mentioned the safe spider girl group felt utterly betrayed by these actions and as a result there was a very huge morale dip in the fan base all the years of work that had been done to keep you know, to keep Mayday alive and keep the series chugging along came to an end. Now this part, all right. So now this part is Zach speaking his opinion here. Do you want to take it back now that you're back, Zach? Yeah. Yeah. Let me, yeah. let me, um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So here's my thing. This was a, um, where, where did I put that? I, I know I had to say this. It's the reason that we felt we had to chronicle this to explain it um, in the story, because I recall talking with some friends and they felt that Mayday's corpse wasn't even cold yet. And they ran and they ran away with the spider girl. Title. Oh, it wasn't. I mean, OK, look, let's be fair here. It wasn't. That's the whole thing. Yeah. And this. I, maybe it's because of what's currently happening in Marvel today. Hi, Nick Lowe. I see you. Um, it's really, there's something there that just feels icky and it's in relation to a lot of teen girls mm -hmm. that Marvel just seems to, uh, really doesn't seem to respect. And I understand they're fictional characters. I get it. I should stop treating them like they're people and getting upset for their honor. Um, however, these characters mean something to people. These these are these are the characters that young people like I did when I started reading Spider Girl, you know, see themselves in. And I of course I remember this very vividly. Um, mostly because I was dealing with my own like first big big kid breakup and things not going my way in adult life uh, when this was happening. But like, this was one of those moments where it was like, you kick me when I'm down. And this definitely was kicking all of us when we were down. And it was, it almost felt like Marvel had been chomping at the bit to use, to use Spider-Girl on Anya again, like we've stated, corporate synergy. Um, the, the whitewashing is just it's uh, also whitewashing was a separate situation but what i'm saying though is yeah. just the it was corporate synergy but it was literally the moment the moment that the writing was on the wall the moment that this was not you know spider girl was not getting saved um they took it and they ran with it and i'm still there's still a part of me that feels like the person who announced it reveled in that reveled in fans being in pain. Um, 
Which, of course, we, we wouldn't know to the extent until, until later. later. Um, <laughs> but it's... It, it, it's one of those I'm things... Sorry, I'm just saying, like, you know, because you invited the guys and they were going to talk about this and I'm sure that they would have gone on this rant. I just want to make sure that that's stated, that no, they were totally... Even now, even thinking back not on it now, mm -hmm. she no, they didn't give us any time to really grieve or honor the character. But you know, look at what they're currently doing to another teen superhero. Right. <laughs> yeah, Marvel yeah. Doesn't learn. Like, let's be fair. Marvel doesn't learn. Marvel doesn't care. So that's what. That's the only thing you really need to understand here. The reason why I'm calling it calling it corporate synergy is, you know, at this point, it really had moved in. The the sale had been completed at the end of 2009 officially. So the Disney Marvel acquisition was um, was complete. And so that's why I'm calling it corporate synergy. Well, Disney no, I mean, it's it. But they wanted it prior to that. That's true. It, that is true. That, that, I mean, when they announced on, uh, you know, Amazing Fantasy, it really upset Spider Girl fans because it felt like, why are you, you know, you're, you're throwing us this bone because we are being very loud and we're shaking a lot of and we're rattling a lot of cages, and then you want to sit there and do the very thing that we've asked very nicely, politely, for you to do for this character that had been. I mean, six years at that. So, yeah. So, Kelly, you know, it's this. This is the reason why we we told we told three. I mean, it's we got to tell the story behind. Not unlike the storyline that birthed the concept of a daughter of Spider Man, the Clone Saga. The story behind. Hey, hey, you're you're cutting as out important again. as the story. That's you're doing you're doing the thing again, Chief. Okay. Doing cool. Okay. Oh, <laughs> he was saying something. Oh, hang on. What was that? Any. Anyway. Anyway, what I was gonna say. I'm gonna. I'm gonna read anyway. the end. End part of the. Or I'll read the last two things for Zach on here. He can probably jump in. But the entirety of the timing felt like a cruel move. So soon after the cancellation of Mayday's title. Um. And like he said, he said uh, I was talking to a few friends and they felt like Mayday's corpse wasn't even cold yet. And then they ran, they ran with the spider girl title. In some ways it felt like three legacies got tarnished in Julia, Cassandra and Anya, which they have recently uh, brought Anya back as Aranya. Um, it was in the last spider verse. Will it last? Who knows, but it is there. No. Um, yeah, we'll see. They love whitewashing. Um, so anyway, Y'all can see I'm not holding punches on this right now. Sorry. Not sorry. I'm very angry. At Cassandra's still news. dead, right? Yes. Cool. Okay. Anyway, um, so streamlining the character felt forced and wouldn't be the first time uh, that something with Dan Slott's fingerprints directly and indirectly would cause concern. I'm not reading what Zach wrote because it makes it it makes it sound more professional. No, it's concern. We were concerned. 
um, among Spider-Girl fans of old. Um, it's the reason why we feel like we needed to chronicle this huge part of the history before we went on to the review uh, and the breakdown. And we do need to explain this and tell this story. The story of Spider-Girl isn't just a story on the page. It's a story of her fans. It's a story behind the scenes. Ironically, not unlike the storyline that birthed the concept of a daughter of Spider-Man, the Clone Saga. Of course he brought in the Clone Saga. I mean, hello, have we met? Come on, Kelly, you know better. <laughs> I'm doing this in post, so it makes it even funnier. Um, where the story behind the scenes was as important to be told as the story on the page. And he knew that this was a lot, so now he's turning it over to me. And I get to write, uh, I get to bring the breakdown to you guys. And I'm going to do the best I can um, and not rant too much, but I do have to bring up a few things that I noticed between the floppy and the digital. Because, you know, Marvel Unlimited was not going to let this go without one more error. It's just going to be like, it's going to go down swinging. <laughs> of course. So, Spider-Girl The End, one shot. Info, cover date, October 2010, on sale August 25th. 2010. The cover price was $3.99. Writer, Tom DeFalco, penciler, Ron Friends, inker, Sal Buscema, letter, David Sharp, colorist, Bruno Hang. Page count is 40 pages, and the story title is The End of Spider-Girl. All right, so we start with an older woman telling a group of children that it's story time, and she has a final age of heroes lesson, a history lesson to give, and it's about the end of Spider-Girl. First, the old lady, called Auntie M, as the children are calling her, Auntie M asks what the children remember about Spider-Girl. And all the kids pipe up with accolades, that Spider-Girl is fast and strong. They know her identity and that she was the daughter of Spider-Man. May Mayday Parker. One child saying their dad wouldn't tell them, uh, would tell them that she made friends with all of her enemies, which sounds very Normie Osborne to me. Maybe that child is, I don't know. Um, but then Auntie M asked them about April Parker. The children make faces, calling April a fake mayday, an evil copy with bio-predator powers, calling herself mayhem because that's all she was about. Auntie M explains that April was a clone, that she didn't grow up with anyone to teach her right and wrong, and while she did have great power, she never embraced the real sense of personal responsibility, and that's what led to the death of Spider-Girl. We cut to present day, 982. Mayday responds with some to some chaos that we're seeing due to April running away and rejecting her, her human clone ties to deliver a Punisher-style sense of justice. April is literally killing anyone she sees it as a bad guy, including anyone around them that she finds. May feels like everyone April is hurting or killing is on her, and that's, you know, and that April's style of justice just can't stand. But May can't find April, so she calls it a night. As May gets home, she talks to her family as Peter tells them that Captain Ruiz has obtained a warrant for the arrest of Mayhem and made sure that everyone knows she's armed with superhuman abilities and is considered extremely dangerous, meaning they'll have to use lethal force if she attempts to resist, which, as we know, April, of course she will. Mary Jane still feels compassion for April and asks Peter if there is anything that they can do. Mary Jane doesn't see April as a monster. 
Sure, April is misguided and confused and definitely frightened, but she needs understanding and counseling, lots of counseling. But May stops her mother from going on. While May kind of agrees that April needs help, she has to be stopped before she hurts or kills anyone else. And Mary Jane tells May that she was never responsible for April or April's actions. She never was. Something Peter also agrees with, though by saying that April was designed to destroy the family, and Mary Jane reminds him that they outsmarted April's creators by adopting April, that the Parkers are a family filled with gumption, the, the live to fight. May takes baby Benji to bed, agreeing that the Parkers never give up. The next day at Midtown High, Courtney asks about April and Davida. Or, or, Courtney asks about April, and Davida makes it known she wasn't a fan, which, with the attitude April constantly gives, I don't blame her here. And they meet up with Wes and invite him to hang out with them at Cafe Indigo. Davida and Courtney whisper to themselves about trying to get Wes and May together, and May asks Wes how the comic book is coming along. Sadly, this peaceful scene is cut short by May's spider sense going off, and May can see that April is tracking her from the rooftops. Making a quick, quick excuse to get a book from her locker, May bolts into an alleyway to change. Courtney and Wes awkwardly look at each other as they both try to say that the group should go on without her. April follows May into the alleyway and asks her to talk to her on the rooftop. April wants May to quit being Spider-Girl and admit that April is the original May Parker. As May tries to talk to April and reason that, you know, and kind of reason with April that the way she's fighting is wrong, April tries to intimidate May and calls her friends like the Fantastic Five and the Avengers a bunch of wimps. May starts to web April up, reminding her that May knows she's lucky. Regardless of who the original and who is the clone, May is the one that was lucky enough to be raised by Peter and Mary Jane Parker. The name Spider-Girl is not just a name anyone can assume, but it doesn't matter what May calls herself, she'll always be the daughter of Spider-Man. And that's an honor that no one else can claim. Um, this is the page uh, where there's an error in Marvel Unlimited that just says the daughter of. Way to go, Marvel, winning every week. Love finding senseless errors in the digital app. Anyway, May internally, however, is beginning is begin oh, May internally, however, is um, kind of hoping that all it really takes to subdue April is webbing. But her spider sense is warning her it won't be. And obviously, April's claw claws her way out, screaming at May that she's the real imposter. She, changed, she charges at May and sends both of them into the next building, telling, telling her how she killed Tombstone and Hobgoblin for May and that all April really is doing is just cleaning up the streets and taking out the drug dealers. May tells her, however, she's hurting people, murdering people, which April says aren't heroes supposed to punish the guilty? No, May answers. Heroes protect the helpless. Something April doesn't agree with as she slams into the electrical box on the wall and starts a fire. May warns they need to get out before the fire catches the giant amount of painting supplies that are in this warehouse. April, however, chooses to focus on how May is blaming April for April's actions. Yeah, all right. And she thinks neither should leave until they finish this argument. May tries to tell her 
that this isn't the time for this, and April needs to look out for a pipe that almost falls on her. Thankfully, May pushes pushes her out of the way, but then May gets stuck under the rum under the rubble of the roof. I have so many errors in this. I apologize, guys. Uh, that's falling down around them. April screams at May that she just saved her to make her look bad. Like, April, look around you. Read the room. What the F? Uh, but May asks April to help her get some leverage so she can get free, but her spider sense alerts her that their time has run out. May tells April she needs to go, which April won't listen, instead insisting she's going to save May back and prove she's the real hero. But since all she's doing is standing around babbling like a lunatic, May hurls impact webbing towards April, telling her to let the family know she loves them. The impact webbing sends April out the window and onto the building across the street, and April watches in horror as it finally dawns on her that May is gone and the building explodes. The kids interject. That's not how the story is supposed to go. Spider-Girl is supposed to crawl out of the rubble and kick Mayhem's butt and live happily ever after. Well, Taurus, an adult Taurus, comes by and we see the idyllic park we thought Auntie M and the kids were sitting in during the story was nothing but a subway tunnel painting. And the kids, the tunnel rats, as Taurus calls them, needs, need to go to bed. The kids thank her for the story and Taurus walks with Auntie M through the subway tunnels. Taurus asked the kids to go to bed and called curfew early because the biopreds are closing in fast to their location. This is the last group of humans and heroes, and they're finding it hard to find places to hide. So Auntie M and Cassie Lang have come up with a plan, the mulligan. Mulligan um, has two meanings. It's either the stew made of odds and ends of other food, or in golf, the extra stroke allowed after a bad shot, aka a stroke not counted on the scorecard. Auntie M says this plan could be humanity's last hope. Taurus doesn't understand why Auntie M always tells the new generation the stories, um, you know, always tells the new generation a story where she's portrayed as the bad guy. And Auntie M chains and changes into her more symbiotic form as mayhem and reminds Taurus what the M stands for and that she is the bad guy. April tells, tells us that she tried almost immediately to assume life is May, but as Mary Jane realized she wasn't May because the bond a mother and daughter share can never include a clone, she was found out about immediately, and we see Mary Jane yelling at April, asking where May is and what happened. And well, after that, April admits she went nuts after a while, burying herself in work, leaving a bloody swath through the supervillain community, and we see terrified faces of supervillains past with the looks of a ton of gang baddies. April advises that May was right about the authorities pushing back on her and how even we, uh, Whedon's team was sent after her, but she sent them back in body bags, and that included Kane. The situation kept escalating as she fought against anyone who stood in her way, that she, you know, and eventually she killed American Dream. Taurus stops her memory lane visit to say she used to always call that an accident, something April claims is the truth, but the truth is April saw herself as the hero and admits her carelessness in her actions and the lives she claimed caused the destruction of the human race. 
April's rampage caused the government to turn to black words, black works or black words. I don't know why I wrote black words. It's black works. Black works. All right. To put carnage, um, basically to put the carnage symbiote on combat mercenaries, which created these bio predators that killed not only the scientists running the experiment, but obviously the world. These carnages destroyed everything in their path. People were either slaughtered or absorbed and turned into a carnage soldier, a biopredator. Taurus reminds her um, that he remembers this part of the story. That's how he lost his parents and his wife. So Taurus had a wife. What a time jump. Uh, but this is the part where April really stood up and atoned for her past by fighting the bio, the biopredators back. Humanity would have never survived this long without her help. April laments that it doesn't feel like much with humanity hiding in the sewers. They've lost so many friends and family from this and it's all on her. The alarm sound in Taurus heads to join uh, J2 and other soldiers on con containing the breach from the carnages and April runs to find Cassie to start the mulligan. As April reaches Cassie, Cassie is arguing with a completely digitized mainframe. The plan, uh, the plan is that they're going to use an old time machine. Uh, and there's a ton of variables that mainframe is just not comfortable with using this time machine right now. But time is not on their side. As April tells them to turn it on, this might be humanity's last stand and we see the carnages have broken into the tunnel. As April gets in place, ready to be teleported, shifted, whatever, to the past, Cassie makes note that this is a risk, but as April says, with great power comes great responsibility. And April corrects her. The phrase is actually, with great power, there must also come great responsibility. A subtle but profound difference. It took April a lifetime to understand the distinction, and now that she has, she vanishes. Seemingly sent somewhere in time. The carnages come busting into the lab and Cassie asks in a panic if Mainframe can tell if April was sent to the right place. Mainframe cannot confirm. Cassie tells him, it's the end, old friend, and Mainframe tells her, it's been an honor, and calls her my love. Which, sidetrack here, I highly doubt it was meant, like that line is meant as anything beyond calling someone loved. Like, yes, it's a bit weird on Mainframe's part, but I think... Um, and I'm only bringing this up because this was brought up on our Discord, I believe, from Binkman, was trying to claim, like, does this mean that they got together romantically, which I don't think that's the case here. It might be like an alludement to Mainframe's crush on Cassie from the beginning, but it's not something really to be read that deeply into. And I just wanted to put that there since it was brought up that, you know, it's really not a big deal. It was very cute. Um, lifelong friends literally dying. Like, I mean, come on, that's what that was. So anyway, uh, we land back into the past where young April has tackled May into the building right before the fire. We see that old April materialized into a wall with just her arms sticking out, which is putting her in absolute pure agony. She feels like she's dying, but she has to keep finding the strength to finish her mission in the past to help future generations, to help the children. She's able to stretch her fingers into tendrils and get the tendrils onto her younger self to almost plug into the symbiote and download the future of her younger self. Sadly, she 
didn't do this before her younger self damaged the electrical box and started the fire all over again. This download does, however, stop young April in her tracks as she stops yelling about how May always blames her and watches the tendrils of her older self sort of melt away as old April becomes one with the wall. Her final thoughts were just hoping that this works and apologizing to May for everything. May noticed April stopped fighting and asked her if she's all right as she is seemingly in shock. Uh, May sees the beam come down on April and goes to save her, but April uses her tendrils to push May back, hard enough to send her out of the building. And April is now the one who got trapped in the rubble. April's last words to May is that she's seen the future and it needs May. As the fire reaches the paint supplies, April says to May, who is now long flown from the building by this point, to tell the family she did love them in her own way. And the building blows. May thankfully is on the rooftop, but she does call out for April, tears streaming down her face, and she is completely devastated. At Cafe Indigo, Courtney tells Wes she heard that Spider-Girl was involved in an explosion at, in the warehouse district, which worries Wes, and she asks Courtney if Spider-Girl was okay. Courtney tells him she seems to be from the news blog as paramedics saw her swinging from the scene, and Wes hurries to pack up his sketch bag and leave, thanking Courtney. He makes a quick excuse to head out, and Davida is really confused. Wes was supposed to help her with her English assignment. Courtney tells her she thinks West has finally figured out where he belongs. Moose is also there and is cooling off his coffee, seemingly unaware of any strange encounter, which is very much like Moose. At the Parker residence, May tells her parents that she searched through the rubble until the EMTs and cops shoot her off. She couldn't find any sign of April. She doesn't know if that means April got away or if there was some clone degeneration that happened, but Mary Jane says they'll just have to see and hope for the best, and Peter gets a little crass in saying that clones never die and will always find a way to return, which after a quick scolding from MJ, Peter admits that he might have not been on board with April being there or trusted her, but he would never want her to suffer any harm. Mary Jane tries to help May feel somewhat better by reminding her that the family did everything they could to wel welcome April in and help her that April didn't become a killer on May's watch like May is beating herself up about. She was created and designed that way. It's because of everything May did to help April is the reason why she tried to redeem herself. She did what May would have done. The doorbell rings and May hopes it's some cookies because she needs a few dozen, but no, sadly, just Wes, no Girl Scout. Wes came by to see if May was all right and May asks, why wouldn't she be? So Wes comes clean, he knows, which at first, the whole Wes knowing she's Spider-Girl was completely forgotten about with the April situation. So once May catches on to what May, uh, Wes is saying he knows about, she just asks, how long has Wes known? Wes tells her it's been long enough and you know he has a secret all of his own. Wes is actually short for his last name. His first name is Reynard, which May agrees that should probably stay a secret. And as Wes wraps May up in his coat and they sit on the porch steps, May asks why Wes is always there when she needs him. And he replies, it's because she's amazing, spectacular. And he doesn't quite get to finish that sentence before May kisses him and leans her head on his shoulder. 
And Mary Jane happily looks on and Peter stares at them not so happily. And Wes asks, where did they go from here? The end for now. And then there is a little page that I do want to read, um, which I got to pull up because I had to uh, actually like. I've got it right here. Okay. So sorry, the audio quality of my mic is not as good. I haven't used the iPad, but it's been a lot more stable. So it says, hey, Spider-Girl fans, we've been trying to figure out the proper way to express our gratitude for 12 years of support. But really, we can only say in the words of the inimitable Tom DeFalco, thanks for being there. We'll see you again. I'm sure of it. And it uses the cover to issue 30 of AS. I mean, and you're the, going uh, out again as the method. So pain. Zach, Zach is just an absolute pain. It's okay, bud. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We're all good. But yes, very sweet message at the end. Um, so yeah, Zach, what, what are your reviews? Cause you, you have a lot, have a lot to say. Hopefully you can get through it. Uh, hopefully I can get through it. So stop me if I start cutting out or start sounding bad. Um, Okay. I'm going to be frank here. I don't love this story. Why they wrote it this way. It does soft the original concept of what the original issue 61 was going to be a tale of a distant future. In this case, many years in the future, whereas the original would have been about 15 years in May's future. However, the feeling of how much of a bummer, I just remember feeling how much of a bummer this was. Yes. It ties up the loose end of April. Yes, April does redeem herself in the end. Yes, it's a nice coda to the original series. It certainly follows the tradition of the hopeful optimism of the previous endings and at the very end with Wes and Mayday finally getting together. But the story to get there was dark, bleak, and really, really sad. So it also follows that traditional bleak endings of the end. But still. Also, I think this didn't really have a bleak ending. This actually was very uplifting and hopeful. Well, I meant like the, the, the bulk of the story was bleak. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of follows that tradition of, of the end stories is what I mean. Not the very end. The very end's good. It's the it's that middle part, right? Um, Davida saying fine couple made me laugh as that didn't sound like her. Uh, but I also appreciate the line with Wes saying that they were against a pretty crazy deadline that felt like Tom and Ron were talking to the audience. Uh, I do love the final splash page with MJ beaming that Mayday has a boyfriend and Peter giving the disapprov disapproving dad stare. And in, I also uh, enjoyed... In the fairness, there, that's like some whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we're like, going from like mourning to like... Oh, and now she just kissed this random dude on the porch. Who is he? Ew, be scary. Get him, get him off the porch. I, but you know what I mean? It's like, Peter doesn't know who this is. <laughs> That's true. I mean, but like, I just I just love that Peter's like scowling. It just makes me laugh. As a dad to a little girl, it makes me laugh. Um, I'm just saying he doesn't know who that is. So that's really funny to me. Like, I mean, what, <laughs> what else? What other face are you going to use? Maybe like a inquisitive face. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, um, 
I love that Courtney knows and doesn't say anything really but to Wes. Uh, and then the other things like Taurus as an adult is fun to see. J2's cameo is great. Mainframe and Stinger sequence was weird to me. I think I was the one that pointed this out, not Vinkman. Oh, um, wow. All I know is somebody did, and I just wanted to point out that, that that's reading way too into that, man. Like, I think that that was a callback to when, you know, Mainframe very seemingly had a crush on Cassie. Mm-hmm. But it was very one-sided. I mean, that's one reason why she says old friend. Yeah. But like, uh, they're the literally, like stuff it's literally moments before they die, y'all. <laughs> right. Uh, Carnage stuff was a great throwback to Amazing Spider-Girl. Uh, the elements of a great MC2 story were there, and I'd like to see more of it, but less the dystopian future stuff. That being said, a lot of people that treat this as a finale, that nothing really comes after this as our 982, and I completely get that headcanon. I have mentioned a few loose ends with Dark Devil and the like, but this does a really nice job of wrapping things up as much as possible. If you then you'll sorry, Aww. I'm making sure that I'm making sure that he doesn't just okay. Okay. Well shoot, because he was definitely saying something oh. important. Yeah, you did. And I did I not agree. I did not agree to that. I was gonna wait. Neil. Okay. Take That's it over okay. my show. Okay. Anyway, uh um, what I was saying was, um, uh, like the Tom and Ron Anex story, obviously, is another notable exception. Um, yeah. But it, there's only a handful of stories after this that you can add to the canon and you can be completely fine. I mean, if you choose not to think anything above like the, the, the Spider Island stuff, you can certainly do that. We'll have quite a few episodes with Mayday Parker's story left, and we're going to hope you join us for those. But I understand for people that treat this as like the official end of. Every single time he says the end too much, his phone. So while I don't love elements. Like that. uh, All right. Well, we. So while I don't love elements of this story. Okay. Hi. It's me. I'm the problem. it's true, you he, are. Uh, you know, I'm the problem. Uh, my um, While I don't right. love elements of this story, better into a universe series probably ever. So in a way, it stands out, being a series finale that never, ever... While I don't love comics being treated as, as television shows, it almost works here as there is a real beginning, middle, and end to the MC2 as shepherded by Ron, Pat, Tom, Sal, and Al, as well as others, but those five guys are the main event guys. So Kelly, with that said, I'm going to turn it back over to you and shut up and hopefully my internet doesn't die. Hopefully. All right. So um, as, as stated, uh, we love Courtney figuring things out and kind of hinting at it to Wes to test her own theory, because that's really what it seemed like. It seemed like she was testing this theory. She was like, I'm going to just see. I'm going to see his reaction. And, like, he panics. So, uh, you know, she got her answer. 
And that's all she needed. Because uh, I think Courtney will take, like, she will take this to her grave. She seems like the type that wants to, like, let her friends have their secrets until they're ready to tell them herself. Uh, tell them themselves so like it's really it's just really super cute and it's it's kind of like we we get to end on knowing may still has has another friend in her corner that's going to protect her and help her even if she doesn't know it um so i really really enjoyed that and then um i'm not not a huge fan of this story because it is so um quote unquote bleak but i'll be i'll be honest like 100 rereading this this was probably the most perfect ending to a series i think any of us could ever imagine or get and we're really very lucky um you know like zach hit the nail on the head this one shot lasts and it's solid uh, it really does stand the test of time and it it's a good send-off considering what all was going on and in and out of the comic at the time it wraps everything mostly up but keeps things ready for the next chapter when and if they show up the world was left on a happy note and that's really all we could have asked for or wanted i would compare this to like the og sabrina ending that i still cry about to this day just because it was such a perfect send-off for that series and it was a series i grew up with a lot like spider girl was and you know like, you know, or or what the last episode of Charmed was supposed to be, the end of the seventh season, that was the original ending, which was absolutely perfect and an amazing send-off for that show. Um, and then they really wanted Kaylee, whatever her last name, whatever. Kaylee anyway, yeah, really, really needed her, man. Anyway, um, but it, it basically, uh, ah, my brain this really did like you said it felt like a series ending like a tv series ending and you know it was for a fan favorite that is spider girl and like all good fan favorites and all media we rarely get endings that you know these characters deserve and this is the one of the time like one of those times that we were lucky enough that basically we were a lucky enough fandom to get this and I, I wrote hell but i was like we were just really we were such a blessed fandom to even like i mean to even oh okay we were a very blessed fandom even if we didn't feel like it at the time because i do remember that none of us felt like that at the time especially what happened immediately after um but we were very blessed and i you know think of how long this ran actually like you know like it says 12 years and it was pretty much a straight 12 years there's a very rare amount of pause even in between amazing and spectacular and that's a long long time so like think of all the lives that this touched in the beginning the spectacular quality and heart that was put into every issue and it's known it's felt like we know how amazing this is and how unique it was to have the same creators pretty much stay on the whole time. That does not happen, not for 12 years. And so the fact that that did is really special. And yeah, I mean, this series still 
still stands the test of time. We are really lucky to have that and to be a part of it as it ran. Sometimes I think of these three series as something we'll never see again, not like this, because this is not the way comics are now. And it's, we're never gonna get back to that. It's never gonna happen. Um, so this is just, it was of its time and it's a part of history. And what a lucky thing that is. Sometimes series needs to end, nothing needs to last forever. And the good thing about comics is once, once you finish the run, you can pick it up from issue one again and start it all over. You, have, you get to have it with you and share the story with others forever. And I actually started tearing up when I wrote that, but I mean, I mean it. The, the thing about this series is we have it forever. It's digitized. It was one of the first digital comics to ever fully be a part of Marvel Unlimited, which is now like Marvel's only comic app. You now have to buy your comics in Marvel Unlimited starting at the end of this month. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is one of those things that like no one thought this would ever go this long. And no one would think that right now, think about it, we are literally two weeks away, less than that, of seeing, of course, it's not our May Day, but seeing baby May in a comic, seeing Peter as a, or in the movie, seeing Peter as a dad in a movie. That, you know, that's just, it's cool. It's cool to see the impact that Spider-Girl has kept and lasted on pop culture. And, you know, even though this is the end and this was such a perfect send off in such a really terrible situation, this isn't the end of Mayday Parker. It's not the end of her legacy and it's not the end of us being fans. Without, and I think that that's a lucky thing. Mm -hmm. and, and look, I, I also think that um, there was a respect, I think, with like Brevoort and DeFalco, and I think them giving them the chance to write this um, and that way ended on their terms, which is in comics okay for um, anyone who's not hearing so, zach because he's cutting in and out he's basically stating that the the end was it was a very respectful thing for the creative team to get because they were able to end on their terms which is like i stated very rare in the comic industry all right zach you think you're back because your picture is frozen I, I maybe we'll <laughs> but yeah uh like you said like you just said i mean this is a this is a watershed the fans um and as as bad and as painful as it was was that way this is a testament to the fact that a a female-led title lasted this long um and it's still the longest running just, female solo title of Marvel. And, you know, all, all this discussion about comics going woke, the fact that this book 
is still the longest running female book. Who's saying comic? Should tell okay. you everything you need to know. That was such a corny. Well, but but my point is, is that their argument is irrelevant when you look at the fact that if if it was as bad as they quote unquote say, they being people that are terrible, um, then another another character would have stepped in to Spider Girl's spot. But Spider Girl still holds that spot. Is my point, and it's a testament to the quality of the writing the quality of the art, the way, the passion that they put into this universe is, is the important thing to focus on. Um, and I know that Tom and Ron would want somebody to take that baton from them, but it just hasn't happened yet. And it's going to be that way because of the way comics are with the relaunches and stuff. Even so, um, you know, doing this show, has been one of the best things that I've done. And I've been podcasting for over, God, 15 years almost. Um, and I'm just thankful that we've gotten to this point because I didn't, you know, uh, uh, Kelly is is the driving force behind this. She is- Planning. Lots and lots she, of planning and she, bullying. Listen, the amount of work, you know, we're the amount of work that we've both put in to try to make internet problems be damned is a testament to the passion that okay. Okay. And Kelly, <laughs> sorry you cut out and then you came back and it just said internet problems be damned and then you cut out right again unfortunately man my entrance was extremely well done <laughs> I'm yes, the harbinger of doom. Gods that are but, yeah, cursing me. But, uh, I'm, I'm trying to say something really nice about Kelly, and it's like the internet gods are like, no, 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 no never, no. never, not allowed. But thank why you, you I appreciate why you, it. Why are you calling Xfinity gods? They're more like devils. But, well, it's not just Xfinity right now; it's also T-Mobile. That's so. great. Anyway, I get new fiber internet next week. Yay! Fingers crossed. Yay. So uh, since you're since uh your internet's kind of cutting in and out, I'm going to we're gonna go ahead and move on to our emails. All five of them. We did ask for this, so this is on us. Um but I'm gonna read them, but if they reference for Zach, um we will try to give him a chance to speak. Hopefully his internet will let him. Uh but I will go ahead and read. So, email number one. Hello, Zach and Kelly. I wanted to say thank you for all of your hard work over the last 50 episodes. Your passion and knowledge for all things Spider-Girl is truly amazing. I am a newer fan, only discovering the YouTube show and watching and listening to whatever shows popped up on my feed. I wish you actually listened. I wish I actually listened to Zach and followed the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Don't worry, Zach, I do now. Now that I do, I have listened to old shows of the Clone Saga Chronicles and Make Mine Mayday. So with that, I have a question for Zach. Zach, I noticed that you seem to be a lot nicer slash calmer with Kelly as a co-host than with the guys on the Clone Saga Chronicles. Is that due to fatherhood? The fact that Kelly is so good? Which, what is that supposed to mean? Or the content of Spider-Girl doesn't upset you as much as the clone stuff does? 
Anyway, great job, you two, and keep up the great work. Thanks, Eric. And Eric sent it from his iPhone. Okay, Eric. Hopefully. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. Beautiful. That was a work of art. I'm so happy. All right. This made me and Kelly laugh out loud, reading it back to each other. Uh, it's a mixture of all three, truth be told, because there are some really crappy clone stories. Um, I've mellowed out over my years. Uh, my Zach in his 20s is not the way Zach is now. Um, See, now that there's zero hair, he's chill. The hair makes I, you angry. <laughs> She's seen the pictures, so she knows that I used to have a lot of hair. Um, it just migrated to my beard. Um, but yes, it's a mixture of all three. Thank you for the kind words. Uh, thank you for going back and listening to all those old shows. It makes it worth it, man. I really do appreciate it. So uh, I, I don't have, that's all I got to say about that quote, Forrest Gump. Uh, thank you for, for writing in. Eric, I think you're in the comments. So hello. We're, I know you're watching us live right now. So thanks. Yeah. Thank you very much. Like I said, that was like really funny because I could not wait for Zach to answer that. So yeah. So now on to email number two. Hello, Kelly and Zach. I just wanted to congratulate you on your 50th episode and for officially closing out the original Spider-Girl run by Tom, Ron, Pat, Sal, and everyone else who helped make this one of the best spider titles ever. I'll try to keep this short and sweet. I've been following you on this journey from the very beginning, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. The fact that you are two of my favorite people made that journey so much sweeter. I am so lucky to be able to call you friends. I love you all from the bottom of my heart. Now the next phase of the show is going to be a darker and a lot more bumpy, but I can't I think I can't imagine anyone else I would rather go on that journey with. Until then, make mine mayday. Sincerely, Vinkman. Thank you, Vinkman. Yes, thanks, Vinkman. And also I have your box. Yes. So uh with your internet troubles, um, I guess I can like I'll share mine. My little thingy, I got, Vinkman sent me a copy of the Spider-Man magazine that has the dance in it. So, yay. Awesome. Yay. Thank you, Vinkman. So, thank you, so Vinkman. Opening up the box right quick. We can't um, see you, Zach. That's what I'm saying. You're going to have to do it on a separate show once you get better internet. Yeah, I'll, I'll, do, a, I'll do a YouTube short. Okay, good. Oh, sorry, sorry, Finkman. We did plan on it, um, but it—it's not my—it's not my fault this time. Anyway, my internet sucks. Yeah. All right. Infinity and T-Mobile. Yeah. All right. So email number three. Hello again, Zach and Kelly. It's amazing to think that you guys have reached the conclusion of the original Spider Girl saga. I wanted to write in and tell you the story of how I discovered Spider-Girl and why the character means so much to me. Spider-Girl arrived in my life at the perfect time. I was in elementary school, and while I loved Spider-Man, I still had a lot to learn about the character's larger history. I believe I started reading Spider-Girl by accident. My school library had copies of the Scholastic Collections, and when I saw the cover of one of them, my brain immediately went, Spider-Man, and I grabbed it. When I got home from school, I realized my mistake. Initially, I was embarrassed because I was still entrenched in the girls are icky mindset that infects many young elementary school boys. 
it's not just elementary school, yo. It still happens. There's they're out there. Anyway, however, I quickly Adult decided. Men think girls are icky. Yeah. However, I can quickly I quickly decided to give it a try anyway. And when I read it, I was excited to discover that it was just as good as all the other Spider-Man material I had already consumed. I quickly checked out the other collections from the library and followed the series as best I could through the Scholastic releases. At the time, I didn't know about comic shops, so I had no idea that Spider-Girl was an ongoing series that I could buy month to month. Eventually, Spider-Girl The End came out. By this point, I was in middle school, and my interest in comics was entering its dark and gritty phase. I turned increasingly towards characters like Batman and Daredevil and gave Spider-Girl less and less thought as I got older. Years later in college, I majored in philosophy, and my professor turned out to be a huge comic book fan. Sometimes I would discuss ethics with him in his office, and we talked about superheroes through the lines of virtue ethics. His favorite super, uh, superhero was Superman, and he always argued that Superman was the best superhero because he was the best possible moral role model for people to learn from. Eventually, I started to think about Mayday Parker again. I found a way to read the entire series start to finish for the first time digitally, and once again, I found myself pleasantly surprised. Are aspects of the series dated? Yes. But in many ways, Spider-Girl is the kind of comic that Marvel needs to be publishing here and now. It is, a, it is new reader friendly, has great characters, and manages to capture a lot of the spark that made those early Lee, Ditko, Romita comics so fun while still feeling fresh. Reading Spider-Girl, I came to realize that Mae Parker is truly one of the best heroes in the superhero comics. She has qualities I wish more heroes tried to embody, and I think she is a great role model for young, younger readers. She doesn't enjoy violence, tries to break the cycle of violence, and she was actually able to help some of her villains reform. Sure, she's made mistakes and can be a bit naive at times, but she's pretty darn heroic too. I still love characters like Daredevil, and I now consider Mayday Parker to be one of my all-time favorite superheroes. The lesson I always took from superhero comics is that true power and heroism isn't defined by who can punch the hardest. It's defined by compassion, empathy, selflessness, and a desire to help others. I think that in many ways, Mayday embodies those teachings just as well as Superman or Captain America do. I have now reread the entire Spider-Girl series multiple times and purchased an amazing Spider-Girl promo poster on eBay so that I could proudly display it in my apartment living room. During the pandemic, I was also fortunate enough to have some spare income and I bought myself a graded copy of What If 105. My oldest friend who went to elementary school with me has read Spider-Girl at the same time I did. He has now rediscovered the comic too and they have become it's become another little nerdy thing for us to bond over. Mayday helped introduce me to the world of Spider-Man as a child, and now over 15 years later, she continues to play a big role in my nerdy life. Mayday should have a larger fan base. She deserves it. I appreciate the two of you and this podcast for making the effort to try to build that fan base. I don't know if we will ever get another ongoing title for her, but I hold out hope that Spider-Verse 2 at least helps build greater interest in the character. Thank you again for all your hard work on this podcast. I'm proud to be a fellow Spider-Girl fan. Best wishes, Russell. So thank you, Russell. I really appreciate your story. Um, I think that that's great. And yeah, like Spider-Girl brings people together and she's the best superhero ever, honestly. Those truly. type of stories are why we fought so hard to keep the character alive. Yeah. Those type of stories 
were at the because we knew that if we could just get it to kids that it would there would be an impact because even us as adults and young adults felt it i mean so like i mean i've explained my story i saw it in a comic book shop that i was about seven eight years old um and obviously i saw spider girl i saw the girl on it and i really was like oh my god like you know as i stated i saw me you know i saw somebody like you know we've made jokes on social media that you know oh i look like mayday but it's like i saw myself 100 percent in that character and so spider girl is very important and all all superhero content's important and i think like like i said we were really lucky to have a team that took that seriously understood like you know kind of understood that the audience was going to be very broad especially you know with the scholastics deal and wrote a character that could inspire and yeah i mean obviously the character has inspired so many people and continues to do so to this day otherwise you know we wouldn't have literal daily conversations with like eight different people <laughs> as me and zach always do in our discords so yeah i'm very 100 percent russell right there with you so speaking of a couple of those next couple of emails okay yes uh you mean to let me try i can try to well this next I, uh, let me get to it so we're at email number four so not quite not quite there man almost though um but one second Still getting over uh, this cough, guys, so I apologize. But email number four. Hey, y'all, it's me, Marcy. Just wanted to share some thoughts for the next episode. Been swarmed the past week. So sorry, it's a bit late. Spider-Girl The End is special. It represents the end of April's speed run of Kane's hero arc, and it's the event that segments her as a Parker. Sure, it took the apocalypse for it to happen, but we all mess up, don't we? There's just something inherently special about seeing her grow from first loving that she gets to replace May to realizing that she has to replace May as the protector. And she never truly got the chance to love herself, giving her life for a sister who never could understand her, going back in time and convincing baby April to do the same because she finally learned what it meant to have great power. I only wish it was a mini series to further showcase her psyche breaking down as she realized where she messed up. In the end, she was a hero, even Stinger and Se in Siri, called her a partner. Um, I think that's mainframe. Uh, but she's got May's life in a twisted way, but her Parker luck didn't let her handle it. And then there's the fact that the apocalypse was kind of sort of her fault, and technically her brother, Carnage. Wish she got a chance to join Venomverse or Spiderverse, a chance to talk to Kane, Ben, or Ultimate Jessica Drew for a version of April to come out a heroine that Peter would call his daughter. 
Lots of love and can't believe it's episode 50. Hope I didn't get that wrong. That would be embarrassing. I only wish it somehow aired the last day of April so that April could die so that May could live. But I'll save the theater for the drama club. LOL. April and May mean the world to me. Even if April is a menace, she's a character who I can weirdly relate to to something that I've only ever managed with characters like Peter and Kamala Khan. It's so sad to see her go. Fingers crossed we get her in Venomverse, the sequel. Till then, hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Marcy. I really appreciate that. Because I, I will tease all of the April stands, but she does mean a lot, and she does have one of the best clone arcs ever. So she definitely deserves the love. She definitely redeems herself. And if she does appear in Venomverse, I'm, I suppose we'll we'll talk about the Venom. Her oh yeah, yeah. If if April shows up in any Venomverse, we will add this. They are technically May, uh, different May. Earth X May is showing up in Venomverse, so I don't. We'll see. We'll see. Anyway, now for email five, which if you can pull those up, great. If not, we will. That that might have to be the. That might have well, to no, be the I short. Got, I, I, already, I had already uploaded them. So they're, okay. they're, the PNGs are already in here. So. Oh, can Neil do it? Yeah, it's, okay. it should be already in the, in the chat. Hi, Neil. You might have to pull up some Legos. All right. So I got email those number uploaded before the show started. Awesome. Do, Great. do you have Thank any order you want me to do them in? or? No. We'll okay. see. I've, I haven't read the email. Just tell me when. So, you know, I could... Matt could obviously like set me up for trouble. So anyway, email number five. So I was originally going to ha going to share a small fanfic to commemorate the issue, but school kind of gave me more work last minute, so that's fun. So I'll settle with sharing my thoughts and some old edited images of May and April as Lego figures to commemorate. <laughs> oh, those are cute. So anyway, okay. So, April is one of those characters you either love or hate. There is no in-between. With her arc, her arc is so compelling, even if rushed, and could have benefited from some more issues. Spider-Girl as a whole was a fun romp to read over the last two-ish years, I'm slow, and when comparing it to the 2099 book, it makes sense as to why it is so liked. Both have strengths and weaknesses, but the inherent fascination of seeing characters grow and have kids experience similar lessons is definitely a selling point. May isn't her father no more than Gohan is Goku. She's stubborn and responsible, but she isn't guilt-ridden. She's also more likely to de-escalate a situation before throwing a punch. If this were May's last appearance, I think this would have been a fine ending, open-ended enough for you to speculate, but not sad enough to where you feel bad. And in many ways, it's almost shocking that she isn't as popular as some other heroes. Sure, She-Hulk and Carol Danvers came first, but May's book is one that has lasted consistently. It outlived many things and came a month before Spider-Man, the animated series, ended. For fans at the time, that was probably the closest to an ending the show could get, not to mention outliving the Raimi films and surviving past one more day. May paved the way for brilliant characters to, co uh, to come to lead books that people can enjoy. Gwenpool, who I recommend checking out if you haven't already, and Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, wouldn't exist without the impact the books had on the world. 
Even if May never gets another good run, it doesn't matter. Her impact can be felt as one of the first in the Spider-Verse to popularize the idea before Miles was even a pipe dream. In Ultimate Alliance 1, May is a skin for Jessica Drew. So is Julia Carpenter, but not Maddie Franklin. May also appeared in Marvel Heroes and had a background cameo in Shattered Dimensions. Like a bug on a windshield, she stuck around. Few characters I find as intriguing as May. Gwenpool is also surprisingly deep. And overall, she's probably my second favorite totem behind the man from 2099. But this, this isn't May's story fully. It's April's. April is a fun character. She's a terrible person and a real look into what May could have been if she wasn't raised by her parents. And yet, she still came around, just like Kane and Ben, because she's a Parker. Even if she never had Aunt May's ghost to guide her, in the end, she did good, and it sucks that she's been forgotten. At least Flipside gets to be a skin, and yet she's also a lot of mispotential as a result of her limited time in the world. Overall, Spider-Girl was a fantastic, dare I say, amazing run with some fun characters. It's a relic of an era when the company tried to care for Peter and didn't just make Spider-People poof out of thin air, as often. And it has led to a legacy that is basically unheard of for characters outside of 616. Besides Miguel O'Hara, the only other big example I can think of is the Guardians of the Galaxy, and that's not due to their original appearance. I do have a few questions I figured would be fun to ask. All right, Zach, get ready. All right, if you were writing a continuation from the end and had to bring April back, how would you do it and what would be her story? Why did MJ wait so long to tell May about her PTSD over the black suit when Peter got possessed by Venom at the start? I guess she may have been panicking, but that also seems weird to leave out. Hope you have a lov lovely rest of your day, and I hope things go well. I would add more, but deadlines have to be met. Hopefully, I'll, I'll have something fun to show next episode. Till then, have these edits. I wanted to do some for Buzz and Dark Devil, but desks don't build themselves. Also, I love April Spider, uh, calling April Spider-Girl Blue. Not only is it a reference to something fun, but Superman Blue lived on in the form of a redeemed Livewire who was similar to April's pre-Flashpoint in some manic way. In a world where April lived, and she did, and she probably did, I could see her donning the name with pride knowing she isn't second best, just simply double the fun. See ya, Matt slash uh, Escantor, uh, which thank you, Matt. I really appreciate. Um, so Thanks, the question, yeah. So the questions. First one is: If you were writing a continuation from the end and had to bring April back, how would you do it, and what would be her story? So Zach, um, I would, you know, it would be one of those things where I would try to bring her. Um, I think she would want to stay away at first because i think that she would feel an enormous amount of guilt and i think you could explore that uh you could even have kane find her and maybe mentor her a little bit in a in a in a way that isn't the same as how he mentored dark devil um i think you sort sort of saw some of the potential that you could mine from dark devil and april and how they are similar and knowing what she knows now how would she react to being in the world i think that would be a very good story to build on uh in terms of the second question i i, I think 
Okay, Zach, you cut out. So MJ, and so okay. I understand her burden that with a with May because that's a very personal thing for MJ, and I I, I think that she didn't want to put fear in in uh, in Mayday. Okay. And pass that on. Uh, well, all right. Well. Anyway, so what I would do for the first question, like to bring April back, as stated in the end of this issue, is, you know, we couldn't find her. So she could have just kind of, you know, turned into a different, uh, just turned into a bunch of tendrils and went off. Um, obviously, she has all of the knowledge and like feels like she lived it, even though she herself had not lived it, but she basically gets this flash of her life before her eyes and can see everything and, and what she wound up sacrificing. So now she has this new lease on life and this second chance. And so I think April would probably run around, maybe as Matt said, maybe as a spider girl blue, but I think she'd probably still be mayhem. I have a feeling it'd be a lot like, you know, Venom lethal protector. I still think she would probably be a little bit lethal in the way that she fights but way more mindful of the fact that she has these tendencies in her to do so and kind of pick her battles so but i could definitely see her doing almost something like a ben uh traveling around um you know and kind of doing things on her own and maybe eventually coming back um to see the family because as she stated she did she loves them in her own way but the thing is, is like it's in her own way. She needed to learn who she was because she never got that chance. Um, so I could see her kind of like deciding to live and do her own thing and maybe show up later. Because um, I, I, I agree with Peter. Clones don't die. They never die. They just keep nope. coming back. Nope, they don't. Just keep coming back. So anyway, uh, and then um, for the second question, Something's bugging me there. I do, because you're talking about like when they first saw Venom and then later when she had the black suit and then she was like freaking out because she saw the black suit and it reminded her of Venom. I think there were two separate things there. Like, because Mary Jane didn't really see Venom, right? Or can't, like, am I remembering this right? I think that she, she, I don't, she didn't see Venom, I don't believe. And so that was kind of one of those things. Like she was able to kind of like keep blinders on and go, this happened versus, you know, cause well, and two, Peter's life was on the line at that point. Like, you know what I mean? Like Peter's life was on the line and then she sees, yeah. So like she didn't see Peter as Venom in that issue. And then the next time it's really brought up is in the black suit. And then that's when she explains everything. But that's because she then sees her daughter covered in like what she feels is the symbiote suit. And that probably brought, you know, like a PTSD flashback because, you know, but it's also her, her daughter, not some something else. And I mean, like, too, because we also don't really see like her reaction with Normie. And I feel like that would have been really traumatic for her too because this is the thing that I've, I've been really bugged about from the whole like the whole point with mayday or with april was the fact that like it really does seem like mary jane like just seems to 
gloss over the fact that like all of the powers that she likes from April is from the symbiote, but it also could have just been Mary Jane not wanting to freak April out any more than April had already been freaked out because it's not like April can change her DNA. So I don't know. Yeah, May, I, M- MJ never saw Spider Venom. Yeah. May came in and asked for the backstory. Exactly. And so in that moment, like, why is Mary Jane going to tell her that she has a fear? That's like Mary Jane's personal fear. She's not going to, like, throw that. That's not helpful information to get her husband back. So, yeah. So, I mean, I... Okay, I know we have a voicemail, but I can't play the voicemail because of the internet problems that I got going on right now. So just have to save it, Walter. You get to be on the Fourth of July special. We will will play next episode. I promise. So uh, I literally just saw that their voicemail came through. So thank you for leaving a voicemail. We will play it next episode. Thank you. So yeah. So obviously we'll had the voicemail there we have not gotten any reviews i did see that there's a q a section now on spotify that says you can reply i don't know how we get those replies but you should test that out for us if y'all are listening via spotify because i would like to hear from you yes um so i did unpack the box while kelly was doing emails so i can briefly show people okay what vickman got me if you don't yeah internet doesn't die so he got me. This is the uh, Civil War three pack, Marvel Legends Spider Man. So this is based on the uh, concept art from Civil War. So thank you, Vakeman. I also got that for me too. Thank you, Vakeman, for that. Uh, me, Planet of the Symbiotes, the trade, which, um. This is a fun, goofy, crazy story. And uh, to keep it further Spider-Girl related, he also got me Spectacular Spider-Girl trade, the Who is Gwen Riley trade. So this collects all of the Amazing fan, uh, amazing Spider-Man family and Web of Spider-Man. So the Mr. and Mrs. and uh, the first half of the digital books. And finally, he got me the retro carded Spidey, not one, but two. We can't see so. it, Zach. Zach's just a JPEG. Yeah. I can't fix this. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um. So yeah. So Vinkman, we'll have him redo this when his internet is better next episode, aka the Fourth of July super special, um, where we talk about. Captain America Corps. Before we start the first Spider-Verse later this summer, we've got to check in with the the Captain America-Verse that happened before it. Um, Guys, multiverse shenanigans are not new. Written by Roger Stern, a mysterious cosmic entity has recruited five brave patriots for the ultimate commando mission. Their names are Legend, uh, their names are Legend, the U.S. agent American Dream, Commander A, Captain America, and another Captain America that was apparently really shocking in 2011, according to editorial. We'll be focusing on American Dream's role in what this adds to the world of 982 on our fourth, uh, our July 4th festivities for Make Mine May Day. 
which so far will be July 6th, but we'll talk about uh, that date. Uh, but definitely for 4th of July shenanigans, we will talk about Captain America Corps. And of course, uh, to let you know what's coming, oh, because this is Zach, but his internet's messed up. And of course, to let you know what's coming soon on the channel, we will have a review of ASM 26, Seth Kamala Khan, where we will have a huge discussion about the fallout internally and externally. It's a big one coming to you live on May 31st. But before that, um, Zach will have several podcasting friends come together to go across the Spider-Verse of Spidey podcasts, bringing in some old and new friends together coming May 26th. Be sure to subscribe to the channel to see more from this show, the sister show, Spidey Dude Experience, and things like my like Zach's action figure shorts, where he just recently did one on May Day. So, Zach, you got any final words <laughs> for everybody you can watching? Do? Um, thank you all for listening. Um, I'm sorry that my internet sucks, and uh, it will be better for the next episode of shows. And I can't wait to uh, uh, thank you for everybody that has been that wrote in the emails and the voicemails and everything. And, and we're just really excited about um, things as. Uh, yeah, so I, I'm th super thankful. Thank you guys for watching and listening. All right. Thank you guys so much. And we will talk to you soon. Bye.